Hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the founder of this podcast and of the Covey Club, where we talk about reinvention a lot. And we go into deep uh, conversation about all kinds of reinventions. It could be health reinvention. It could be a body reinvention. It doesn't have to just be your job. But today we're going to talk about your job and how do you reinvent And I'm so excited that our next guest, she found me and it is such a perfect match. I love when this happens. She was listening to the podcast and she said, I got to track this person down um, because we are right in her zone of genius. Her name is Sarah Beth Burke and she wrote a book called More Than My Title. And she talks about living in hybridity. I know I'm not saying it right. You'll hear her say it better but it is working in that zone that many of us find ourselves really wanting to be in, which is not pigeonholed into being one thing, especially at this point in our lives, where we may feel that we are many things and bigger than our title or bored with our title and wanting to incorporate things. This is not hybrid in terms of, are you a hybrid worker? Meaning do you work at home and in the office? This is a hybrid, kind of work that is about your different interests and your different zones of genius and your different talents. Where is that Venn diagram sort of coloring in that centerpiece of all the things that you're interested in? And when I talk to women about reinvention and men too, one of the big problems is I've been really good on this one track. I've succeeded on this one track. I'm now at midlife and I'd like to do something different. How do I get there? How do I move what I do, which has been pigeonholed into this one title, into something else? And of course, the truth is, if you tear off the title, which is like an old Band-Aid, there are all these great things that you do underneath. And they are called very different things and they are not a title. They are what you are good at, what you love. And that's where you begin looking for your hybridity. And what I love um, is Sarah Beth talks about the research that she's seen is about two thirds of people feel they are more of a hybrid kind of person than they are a one tracker. And I know with a lot of Covey Clubbers, that's absolutely the truth. And one of the issues as we get to midlife is feeling that the single identity is too much of a straitjacket and it's time to explore a little bit and be a little bit bigger than that and sometimes you can do that within the job you have it's changing your mindset getting your company to change their mindset about you and how you think of yourself the whole thing is so very interesting and i'm just really excited to bring to you sarah beth burke and I, here she is. So welcome, Sarah Beth. I'm so glad to have you here. And I love the fact that what you do is a subspecialty of reinvention. Thank you, Leslie. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about today. Great. Awesome. So I always like to start when I, when I hear people have reinvented themselves, I like to know just a short bit about, we only have a half an hour about your childhood. What did, where did you grow up? What did you think you were going to do? And how did you wander into reinvention? 
So many good questions. Well, I am a Colorado girl. I live in Denver now, but I grew up in the mountains and then moved in and out of the state until I came back. And when I was young, I was very creative, but also really academic. And so even going into high school, I would take all these honors courses and AP classes, but then I'd always have an art class because it kind of balanced me out. And so leaving high school and thinking about what a college degree would look like for me, initially I was looking at interior design. Um, and then I was thinking maybe computer animation. But once I got to college, I started exploring poli-sci and anthropology. I just felt so overwhelmed by the choices in a good way. And eventually I knew I needed my creative energy to be a part of whatever I was doing. Every time I tried to just be too academic, the artist in me would, would feel restless. So I ended up in a really interesting program at the Art Institute of Chicago that was a degree called Visual and Critical Studies. So it was a perfect match where I got to take all the studio classes I wanted but then also really deep dive into critical theory and analysis of culture and like why we take photos and what, what people are thinking behind the camera. And that was a great start, but once I graduated from that program, I had no idea what it set me up to be. So long story short, I've gone through these cycles of what I call identity crises or professional identity crises. So my reinvention, has come out of crashing and burning and losing a sense of myself, not knowing who I am or what I'm doing, and then choosing a new degree or trying a different job, and then realizing that job didn't perfectly fit me. Now, what do I do? And so eventually where I ended up, I was teaching art and running a nonprofit art program, and I knew I wanted to transform education. I thought a PhD would be the saving grace. Those credentials and three letters would maybe helped me rise up and, and finally establish the professional identity I was striving for. But once I was in my graduate program, I completely lost a sense of myself. So that was, I call it mm. my biggest professional identity crisis. Wow. Yeah. And it was the moment where I had my biggest awakening because I used this notion of identity as my dissertation topic. And I started asking people, how are you more than your job title? And by seeing mm. their stories, I finally unlocked who I really am. And we can go down that a little bit more, I'm sure, as we talk. That's great. That's so interesting because that's the question I think a lot of women 40 plus are faced with. And really the crux of what we do um, on this podcast and over at Covey Club with reinvention is when you get to that point and you say, is this all I'm supposed to be doing, or this is not satisfying enough, or, you know, how do I make this more satisfying, or what else can I be doing? All those questions kind of come together exactly where you are, and you're talking somehow about stitching those together that we, I'm guessing, and, and, and correct me, um, that we're not meant to be just one thing. Absolutely right. That was where I felt the most stuck. I think the normal kind of career advice we get is if you have a lot of passions, you've got to choose just one. You can only focus on one at a time. Otherwise, how are you going to be successful if you're trying to do 10 things at once? But that question was actually my sticking point because I felt pigeonholed. I felt I had to compartmentalize myself to just be one thing at a time when the reality of my lived experience, I have multiple professional identities. And so 
as I've interviewed people and looked more deeply into identity research, there's actually a way that you can intersect and combine multiple professional identities at once. And people don't talk about this. And I think of it quite often like a Venn diagram. And that's where you have maybe two or three core professional identities, and yet they're not separated. In a Venn diagram, they're overlapping and they're intersecting, they're merging, and these new intersectional identities suddenly emerge. And that is the great secret that I feel I've revealed and share with people is, who are you at the intersection of your multiple professional identities? If you can start dissecting and then communicating that effectively, that's actually your truest professional identity and your unique value. So that's what I've come to understand and learn. I think it's very powerful. So give me an example of what you mean specifically, because I think an awful lot of people feel in their 40s and 50s that they've been on that track, they succeeded at that one you know, pigeonhole idea that they're supposed to do. Generally, Covey Clovers and listeners are pretty successful. Yeah. Um, but they want to do something else and they're not sure how to change tracks or they're not sure that, you know, starting all over, it's like, how do they, how do they make it worth their while to start all over, even though they're totally bored <laughs> with what they're doing or they feel that they've kind of played the other thing out yeah. And there's, maybe they haven't been multi-pronged all the time. Um, and I think you're right. There is this pressure just to pick one. Mm -hmm. And I don't, first of all, I think we live too long for that. Um, as the next generation is predicted to live to be over a hundred, over half of them. Exactly right. And why would we think that one thing was going to satisfy us all along? I think this multi thing may be much more of interest. So talk a little bit about specifically what that means and how are they intersecting, yeah. you know, and can I, can I have three very divergent things? Why not that? Yes to everything you've been saying. I mean, just to your first point, a, a work career is spanning 40 to 50 years. So we're gonna expect people to go through more job transitions, which also means more identity transitions and accumulating more and more professional identities over time. So if that is going to be the landscape moving forward, then the question becomes, how do you shift from being an old identity or an old job title into something else? And it's more than just a job transition, it's a identity transition. So I'll give a personal example first and then I'll talk about someone I've worked with recently. So what I've learned about myself over time is I have four primary professional identities. And I use the term primary because those are the ones I use most often. They have the highest frequency. They are my greatest areas of expertise and they light me up. I enjoy them. And if someone told me, Sarah Beth, you can't use one of these four professional identities anymore, it would feel like I'd have to lose a part of myself. They're that important. So my four professional identities that are primary are being an artist, an educator, a designer, and a researcher. Now in a typical circumstance, if I present myself that way, I kind of sound like a laundry list of things. It's kind of generic and most people go, okay, that's interesting, but so what? What I've realized is actually, if I make a four circle Venn diagram and then I investigate who am I at the intersection of being an artist, educator, researcher, and designer, there is a set of qualities that are happening. There's a way that I 
blend. And through that, I've actually named the new hybrid expertise in that intersection. And I call myself a creative disruptor. So I use this hybrid title, creative disruptor, as a more accurate and effective way to communicate who I really am because I converge these different identities together. And then I teach people how to define their hybrid title because that is their unique value prop. So I say, I'm Sarah Beth, I'm a creative disruptor because I work at the intersection of being an artist, educator, researcher. Oh, I love it. And that enables me to create innovation strategies that radically transform people and ideas in new ways. So it's an elevator pitch that suddenly I sound like I make sense and there's a deeper why to these multiple identities. And it makes me stand out. <laughs> there's a lot of really practical application in this. Now, and what percentage of people do you think are interested in? Because not everybody, there are a lot of people who would be like, oh my God, my head's exploding. I just want one. <laughs> do you have a sense of how many people are more leaning towards this? Um, multiple thing or do you think it's something going forward for the future because it'll let you move in and out for a longer period of time what's your do you have a sense or numbers i do so identity is a social construct so everyone is going to self-report what feels right for them but even in just some linkedin live or linkedin polls that i've done and other people have done we were like do you feel you have one identity? Do you feel you have multiple identities? Or do you feel you have more of a hybrid professional identity? And out of 100 people, about two thirds said they felt they were in the space of hybridity. So I think the existence of this is higher than we realize. And it's also a spectrum. Identity is always a spectrum. So you might be in your hybridity sometimes, or you might move back to multiplicity. I use those terms very directly because having multiple professional identities is not the same as having a hybrid professional identity. The difference is multiplicity, and people use a lot of terms for this category, by the way. They might call themselves a gig worker, multi-talented, polymath, generalist. There's, there's all those multi-terms. The difference of multi and hybrid, hybrid is about intersections, and inter, that prefix stands for between. So if you're multi, you have many, but they may or may not ever touch or overlap. But the hybrid professional works in the intersectional space. Therefore, they have a different professional identity that actually defies language because we can't have standard language of what the intersection is until you create who you are there. So it's a different level. Um, I'll stop there for right now. Yeah, that's a, it sounds like there we could go on. But is that what is that? likely something you would not be using in corporate life? Or do you see corporate life moving forward more into that? Or even if you're that person who likes to work at that intersection, is that something we have to educate the corporations about? Because, you know, corporations love to stick you in a box. You can't stand it when they don't know if you, you know, if you're only tapping the A key or the F key, they really hate it when you're like, oh, but I'm a whole hand. No, can't handle it, right? Oh my gosh, I love how you just said that. Yes, I, I truly believe we are at a major career paradigm shift and we're living and breathing it. So we're on the cusp of a lot of this change. So the majority of companies still want someone who's like an expert or a generalist. They're hiring for a very specific type of professional identity. 
But then the majority of the workforce is moving into this hybrid professional identity where they're a little bit of this and that, they're not either or anymore. So part of the education is helping the individual workers understand who they are and how to communicate their professional identity effectively to these companies. The other side of the equation is helping companies understand there are three different professional identities. I call it singularity, multiplicity, or hybridity. How are they practically hiring, recruiting, managing, and retaining people in each of those three? Because all three matter. Sometimes you need someone with just one identity to do something very deep and specific. So the equation is both sides of education and awareness. And then I'm doing a lot of training and speaking on how to help people talk about the intersection they work at. Even using the language, I work at the intersection of X, Y, and Z is my most basic, easy, and helpful tool to put in LinkedIn, to put on your resume, because that sets you apart from someone that just lists, I work, I, I do X, Y, and Z. Love, love. I think that's a great advantage. And I think that also it's a wonderful mindset for this woman who is, you know, accomplished already and may have several types of things she wants to continue doing. Maybe she wants to continue picking up her paycheck, but wants to move into a more interesting area of what she can do. And that's really very interesting language. And it's more accurate. I think a lot of us are striving for authenticity. Who are you really, not just your job title? And the, the question I start out of the gate with people is what is your professional identity? 99% of the time, people don't know how to answer that. They've never heard that question before. They answer with a domain, a skill, or their job title. And the truth is our professional identity is how we see ourselves, who we want to be. And if you haven't done that work, it's really deep self-reflection to say, who am I in my work? How do I wanna name it and frame it and not use something generic? That is the reinvention part right there. Can you give an example? You don't have to use your client's names, but give an example that people would relate to when you explain that. What yeah. that means, what someone would actually say to you, what did they, what did, so they understand the difference between those Absolutely. two. Absolutely. So I will use um, Susanna as an example. When she came to me, her job title was being an adjunct professor and her work experience prior to that had been in photojournalism and a few other things. She had worked abroad and done a lot of cultural work. So when I met her and I said, okay, what is your professional identity? She's like, I'm an adjunct professor. And I'm like, no, oh, that's your job title. Like, who are you? And she goes, huh? So we do these exercises. I have a five-step process. and. Part of it is naming your professional identities and doing a big brainstorm because identity is not necessarily your skills. Just because you do sales doesn't mean you're a salesperson. You might call yourself a storyteller or a navigator. So identity words are different than our skills. So we did this brainstorm, Susanna and I, and we come up with her three primary professional identities, the ones that are core to her. And she was an educator, a mentor, and I think photographer or photojournalist was still pretty core to her. Then we do a lot of this reflective guided visualization to look at her work history. And we, we map the stories when she feels her best to understand who is she really in those moments. And from that, all this really rich 
language and patterns start to show up. We were noticing that she was um, a perspective taker and then we're like, ooh, but maybe you're really a perspective shifter. And so we start getting new language about who she is. By the end of these exercises, the new hybrid title that is truly her professional identity that came out is Susanna is a cultural lens shifter. So that's very different than calling her an adjunct professor. And it's so much more true and authentic to the real way she's working because the word lens is just a great um, metaphor. Not only is she shifting you know, our mental lens, but she uses photography and cameras and she loves culture. So the cultural lens shifter is just, you could see chills kind of come through her body when she had that revelation. And that is what happens when people find the words that really express themselves. They're like, that is exactly me. And I never knew how to say that until now. Now, how does that help her reposition herself at work or in terms of future work? Or does she change her? Because I like that much better. I understand <laughs> that. I get it. Now, does, does anything happen when she puts that on her LinkedIn? Does anything happen yeah. when she, oh, so tell us. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of transformation. So there's the internal transformation where suddenly she feels more complete and self-aware. She, her confidence gets a boost. She's like, oh my gosh, I know who I am now. And I, I know what to call myself. So there's that side of the equation. Then more publicly and externally, I teach people how to do a hybrid elevator pitch. So there's some psychological um, shift that takes place. Like when you say cultural lens shifter, it has novelty to it because our brain has never heard that before. And what novelty does in our brain, if I'm talking to a stranger or writing this on a cover letter, your brain gets a little dopamine hit because it's unexpected and, you're, and you, it, you tune in because it's not the standard language you're used to seeing. And so you can start with your hybrid title Immediately after that, I tell people, you have to break it back down into the parts. What does it mean when you are this new hybrid title? Then the brain has familiarity with, oh, she's an educator, a photojournalist, and a mentor. But the third part of the hybrid elevator pitch, and again, this can all be put into your LinkedIn, your resume, and so forth, networking, whatever. The last part of the pitch is the relationship between your different identities. You have to help somebody understand the why. Usually it maps to your purpose and it usually defines your personal brand. So what does it mean to be a cultural lens shifter? She expresses that through one sentence. And then that usually opens the door because it builds more intrigue. And whoever's receiving or listening to this goes, oh my gosh, tell me more. How do you do this? I've never heard of this. The conversation and the connections are richer and she tends to have um, more access and ease of building those bridges to get offers or new opportunities. So I've seen people definitely use this as a way to find a better fit in their job search, to sound more confident and um, prominent during interviews, and just build a different clientele. Interesting. I think it's more focused on, it's similar to what we had to do over time with Covey Club, where they uh, you know, it used to be like, well, what are you? We're, you know, an online offline uh, club for women 40 plus, you know, but then we, the real tagline is we hold a place for you while you figure out what's next. Mm -hmm. It's that shift to what, from what you, the function you perform 
to the service you provide? What's the end result, right? And that's kind of the same thing that you're doing with their titles, right? Yeah, that's a beautiful way to say it. It, it definitely is helping people see what value they're bringing to the world in a way they've never expressed it before. So interesting. What are there any drawbacks to it? Does, does it, um, does it befuddle some people? Does it, um, I mean, it sounds really modern and really very interesting to me. I'm very totally intrigued by it. Have you seen any backlash? Are people saying like, I don't get this or, you know, are you a professor or not? Yes. Yes. Of course. First it is new. And so there's sort of an adaptation moment of people going, I've never heard of this. What do you mean? And for employers that don't understand that your hybridity and the convergence of these identities is why you have value at the table. I say, if an employer can't understand you when you express that, they're probably not going to be the right fit for you long-term because they're going to pigeonhole you again somehow. So there's that part. That's a drawback. The other side that's a little bit more nuanced and just where we are socially, two years ago, we weren't talking about hybridity and I was already researching this. But then with the pandemic, suddenly the word hybrid has gone everywhere, but it's been really focused just to remote and in-person work and the hybrid work craze. So now when people are talking about being a hybrid professional, there's a little bit too much narrowness in our thinking that they mean, wait, you just work remote and in person? (laughs) It's like, no, this is about your identities intersecting. So I think just that play on what the word hybrid means. Hybrid, yeah. A little issue right now. Yeah, 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 I get that. Let's talk a little bit about identity with your career. One of the things I find that keeps people in their careers um, is the fear of not knowing what their new identity might be. We kind of have sucked up the same problem that men had, which Mm -hmm. is we as women, because we're really the first full generation that has been at work, right? The generation ahead of me they were the first women in some got in some didn't it was still if you know hit and miss now you have you know up until the pandemic you had you know a large proportion the the majority of women working but one of the drawbacks was we screwed these right, right. and when you lose a job you're destroyed exactly. or when you get um, pushed out, you're destroyed, or when you get demoted, or you get um, put into HR because they're, you know, they want to move older women out into something else. How do you deal with that today? I love this question. I, I call this the validation question. We have been trained historically that your job title means something. It has social value, hierarchical value, and therefore, if you don't have a certain job title, you're not worth enough or worthy even. The way I want to reframe this for people is how do you see yourself, right? How do you internally validate you are who you are regardless of the title, the situation, because employment can last a year, it can last 10 years. It it really shouldn't matter because you need to feel confident in how you see yourself. I use a a four um, question process to help people see who they are in their professional identity outside of whatever title or work they do. The four questions go like this. 
there's an internal versus an external side. So external is how do other people see me? And it's good to interview and, and kind of get their opinion of what would you call me if I didn't have this job title? The other side is the internal validation. How do I see myself in my work? What would I call myself if I didn't have this job title? And the two other questions are unconscious and conscious dimensions. So unconscious is, well, who am I when I'm in my flow in my work, when you're losing track of time and things are effortless, you're in that zone of genius, pause and notice, wow, what is my identity right now? And then the conscious side of that is, who am I when I'm in my greatest areas of expertise? So just because you have a business degree or a marketing degree, are you a marketer? Are you a business person? Maybe, maybe not. So what are your greatest areas of expertise? And then what identity would you call yourself? When you map across those four questions, I help people look for consistency across at least three of the four questions. That's how you start to see the identities that are surfacing the most, that are most common to you, and really you should lean into because that's who you are. So that's where I would start with that, Leslie. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And I've heard other people talk about it. Instead of saying, I'm a professor, you're saying, you know, I explore, this is what I do, not what my job title is. People get confused between the job title and what they do and what they're good at. Completely right. And job titles are so meaningless. They're just right. representations with common keywords. Are you a strategist? Are you a designer? Are you a coach? I mean, the proliferation of the same language people are using in the headers of their LinkedIn or job titles and companies, you know, is a dime a dozen. But right. all of us are unique individuals. So how do we represent our unique qualities in our identity? And that's a different kind of process, which I never really see career coaches dive into. They rely too much on personality assessments and Myers-Briggs. Right. That is still not identity work. Identity is a noun, not a verb or an adjective. Right. Very interesting. So I'm together. I could talk to you for hours on this because I think it's such an important topic for this group. If there are women who want to reinvent themselves, um, using this kind of concept. I mean, you gave us the four steps there, the four that that's a, a lot of very specific work, but is there anything else that they should be doing or looking at? Um, you could talk a little bit about your book more than my title. Yeah. I suppose that might be a good starting point for them, but what else, what else is there? And tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. Book. So I wrote a book called more than my title, the power of hybrid professionals and a workforce of experts and generalists. But in addition to sort of talking about what a hybrid professional is and, and why they matter in the workforce, I've created a workbook of how do you figure out your own hybrid professional identity. And the workbook has five steps. And also the workbook is now part of an online course that I do as a cohort so that people can learn from each other, mirror, reflect, really go deep. But the essence of the five steps of my process is first just baselining, you know, what do you currently do? That first question I mentioned, what is your professional identity? The second step then is drilling down. It's actually getting more expansive and more curious about all of the different professional identities you have. And then we narrow it down into those core, the ones you use the most. 
Then we move it into a Venn diagram and we start to explore who are you at the intersection of your core professional identities? What would you call that? So after we do that really deep, that's where people get stuck the most, by the way, because they've never thought of that question. It's Correct. the most mind-blowing, beautiful question and the hardest. <laughs> so step four is coming out the other side of how do we hybridize? How do we name it with the right language that truly represents you? And step five is owning it. People feel a little awkward calling themselves a cultural lens shifter at first. They're like, I can't say that publicly. And I'm like, right. well, let's try and we're going to iterate in practice. And uh-huh. Leslie, I get emails from people weeks and months later saying, you know, I was on this train ride and people came up to me and they say, what do you do? And I said, I'm a cultural lens shifter because I blank. And they went, wow. And people are just in awe of how simple yet powerful this shift is. So that's essentially the process I teach people so that they can unlock and reinvent who they really are in the workforce. Is there anything else? Are there podcasts you recommend? Are there, is there anything else that they can pick up and, and look at or uh, plug into? Um, in terms of other people studying and researching it the way that I am, because I'm blending identity research with career development and personal branding, I think Ise Bursal, her name is A-Y-S-E, has a book called Design the Work You Love. She is an icon that I've reflected on. Um, and funny enough, we have different directions we come from, but we kind of get to the same place. So I would look at her book and workbook. Um, and then I have a TEDx video too, if people want the nine minute version of all of this, it's art. Oh, cool. Great. Can they find it? Where can they find you and how can they follow you, Sarah Beth? Absolutely. Morethanmytitle.com is all the website information. I have a newsletter I do every week with tips and new research um, and a lot of freebies and handouts people can download on my website. And then the TEDx is there as well. Are you a hybrid professional? So morethanmytitle.com is how to find me. Awesome. I can't believe what a dead on fabulous discussion this is. Perfect for the Covey listener. And um, I'm so glad we met. I am so glad I met you because I was excited when I found your work too. Great. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Leslie. So thank you all for joining us for this fabulous discussion about the new way to look at ourselves, which is as hybrid interests and hybrid people and not a job title. I love that. I think that will be helpful for many of you who are trying to reinvent yourselves. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and share with other people. Also, please follow us. Come on over to Covey Club and join us over there. We have a lot of great articles. We have events. We have live events. We have virtual events where you can actually educate yourself a lot more about reinvention. And of course, if you would like to get to know all the amazing members of Covey Club. They are the women who will hold a space for you while you figure out what's next for you. Reinvention is hard. It is not easy. It is really hard to do it all alone and it's very lonely. I will be really honest. But if you do it with a bunch of people who hold you up and shake their heads and say, yes, I've been there. I understand that. I know what you're talking about. Boy, does that change the whole journey. 
So I encourage you, come over, visit us at Covey Club, join us at Covey Club, check out one of our classes, and then come join us. We do magical things as we say, we hold a space for you while you figure out what's next. See you on the next podcast.